Good morning. I'm happy to see you guys. Well, thank you. A couple of y'all are happy to see me. I was so pleased to have Kelly up here singing with us. Nice to see Kelly up here. Kelly's been through a lot in the last year or so. Oh, just a couple brain surgeries, nothing major, right? Oh, man, I am thankful for you guys. Thankful to see you all. Y'all are a blessing. Some of you all have been here since the the earliest days, and I just I thank you. And uh, I feel so honored to be a part of this and uh, to get to present the Word of God to you. The Bible is more than just a book. The Bible is something that will change your life if you let it soak into your heart. And it will change it for the better. We're in a book that gets a little bit of airplay. The children's Bible storybooks have, have one story from this book. Maybe two. Maybe two. Maybe three if it's a really thorough one. But there's so much to it. Daniel from the Bible is mostly known for one thing, one story. And to be fair, if you or I spent the night with a bunch of hungry lions and didn't get eaten, you know, that's pretty. That's a pretty big deal, you know. I shoot. Uh, I think it would be almost as impressive as if uh, if a bucket of KFC spent the night with me and didn't get eaten. Um, so that's memorable. But Daniel's life has so much more than just the lion's den. Daniel's life is full of amazing stories and uh, last week we studied chapter one and to give you the background on that the babylonian empire took over invaded jerusalem jerusalem fell and most of the jewish people were either were killed off but those who survived were carried off to babylon and expected to start a new life there daniel is a very young man at this time teenager And he was selected for a special leadership academy where uh, he would be trained to be an official in the Babylonian government. Of course, he didn't quite uh, get with the program, so to speak, because he held fast to his values and held fast to the true God and um, took a very unpopular stand. But God blessed him for it, and God blessed him with a special ability the ability to understand and interpret dreams and visions. Now, that's going to be important in chapter 2. Last week was Daniel and the diet plan. So exciting. This week, the, the message is Daniel and the empire of dreams. It just so happened that King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had a dream. Such a strange dream that he could not go back to sleep. I bet you've had dreams like that, right? Dreams that just like, what was that? That's weird or scary or bad. And most dreams, thankfully, are, are just dreams. Even the weird ones are just dreams, and they don't really mean anything for the most part. And if you've had a strange dream, chances are pretty good that God is not trying to send you a message through that dream. Unless the message is, you know, probably shouldn't watch that weird stuff before you go to bed. Maybe that's the message, but there's probably not a prophetic message in the weird dreams you've had. However, it can happen. This story is proof that God can speak through dreams, and he might even speak through dreams to someone who is not a believer. King Nebuchadnezzar certainly was not a believer in the true God at this point when he got this dream. So, uh, although, if God speaks to an unbeliever, they're going to need some kind of interpretation from someone who does understand or does believe. And that's the point of conflict in Daniel 2. King Nebuchadnezzar has this 
weird dream. So he calls for his advisors to come and explain the dream to him. And the list that we find in Daniel 2 includes titles like magicians and astrologers, sorcerers and Chaldeans. Now, depending on your background, those names are going to bring different things to mind. You might think, is this like a Lord of the Rings fan club convention? Or is this like some kind of weird fortune teller thing? Or, or is this a, you know, a bunch of nerdy kids getting together and playing D&D? What is, what's going on here? Well, the real truth is more interesting than that. All right. These wise men in ancient Babylon and Persia, they were, um, they were kind of part scientist, part philosopher, part historian, part religious guru, and part showman. Remember the Christmas story and the wise men who came to see Jesus? They were, the other name for the wise men is the Magi. The Magi, same class of, of uh, clerical government servants. It's, it's kind of the same thing. So these, we could call them the wise men. It would be perfectly applicable here. So King Nebuchadnezzar calls for all his wise men. And he says, I've had a strange dream, and I need you to tell me what it means. I don't know what it means. And the wise men say, okay, wonderful. We'll be glad to tell you what it means. Tell us the dream, and we will give you the interpretation. Now, this is where the king just crosses his arms. He's, he's heard this before, evidently. He says, no, 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 no. If I tell you the dream, you'll be able to make up an interpretation. If you really can do what you say you can do, you tell me what I dreamed, and you tell me the interpretation. And if you can't tell me the dream and the interpretation, I'll know that you're just a bunch of phonies. And Nebuchadnezzar's a little dramatic, as you'll see as Daniel unfolds. He said, and uh, I will have you cut into little pieces and your houses burned to the ground. But if you can figure it out, I'll bless you and I'll give you titles and honors and rewards and all of that. So <laughs> he's, uh, he's very dramatic. And of course, the wise men go into a panic they say king nobody has ever asked a wise man to do this we can't give you the dream and the interpretation you're asking us to tell you something that only a god can tell you ah now we're getting somewhere they're on to the truth here that no mere human could tell the king's dream and the interpretation and guess what the babylonian gods were not going to help either only the true god is a revealer of these kind of secrets. So the king did not take that as an answer. He is at this time the most powerful man on the planet. He's got the largest empire on earth at the time, the largest empire in history. At the time, he's like, okay, you can't tell me? Okay, fine. He starts to send out his guards, and he gives them orders to track down and kill all the wise men. Just like that, they start going out and killing all the wise men. That's bad right i mean that escalated quickly king had a dream and okay now all the wise men are being killed and that's that's bad but we find out it's especially bad because daniel and his friends are on the hit list why why is daniel on the hit list he didn't have anything to do with them not being able to interpret the dream yeah but remember how daniel's in this leadership academy to be one of these wise men he's just graduated <laughs> so now he's he didn't have anything to do with it but now all the wise men have been killed, and because he has graduated, he is counted on the list, and they're coming after him too. Now, Daniel, we would consider him a brave fellow, right? Spent the night 
with lions didn't get eaten. That would take some guts. Turns out he was very brave long before the lion's den. The lion's den thing happened when he was an old man. This happened when he was a teenager. Instead of running away, Daniel goes and finds the captain of the guard, the king's guard, the ones who are tasked with killing the wise men. And Daniel goes and finds the captain of the guard. And um, the captain of the guard must have not been too enthusiastic about killing off all the wise men because he doesn't kill Daniel right away. He listens to him. Daniel explains, and then the the king's um, chief of the guards, he takes Daniel to the king. And Daniel tells the king, if you'll give me a little bit of time, I will tell you what your dream is and what it means. And the king, surprisingly, agrees. I guess he really wants to know what this dream is about. So Daniel gets together with his three best friends, these three other Jewish boys that were in the Leadership Academy with him. We, uh, their names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, but nobody remembers those names, or very few people. Everybody knows them as the Babylonian names that they were given, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they are later going to get tossed in the fiery furnace. And if you ever watch the VeggieTales version of the story, it's Rack, Shack, and Benny. Anybody else burn out some VeggieTales or had kids at the right time to have VeggieTales? There's a lot of VeggieTales happening at the Shockley household at one time, and I can sing every word of the bunny song, every single word. Um, absolutely. It's great. That's top-shelf stuff. But anyway, Daniel gets together with his three friends and they pray so hard and they pray and they cry out to God and and God answers. That very night, God gives Daniel a vision of the dream that Nebuchadnezzar saw and gives him the understanding of the dream. And they come back to the king the next day. But uh, before that, Daniel kind of bust out and pray i mean how would you feel you'd bust out and praise to god too when you know whoo not going to get killed today not going to be chopped into little pieces and have our houses burned down god saved the day so let's read daniel chapter 2 verses 20 through 23 and uh then we'll say a word of prayer daniel answered and said blessed be the name of god forever and ever for wisdom and might are his catch this this is very important and he changes the times and seasons He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness. And light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and made me to know what we asked of you. Made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. I'm going to stop there and pray. Heavenly Father, will you speak to us now? Will you reveal these things to us now? And help us have an understanding of how you are the one who oversees all of human history. That you raise up empires and rulers and take them down for your purposes. God, speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Daniel goes back to the king with the news. And then we pick that up in verse 26. I want to give you that in Daniel's own words. Verse 26 begins, The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, that was his Babylonian name he was given, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, 
And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. But as for me, the secret has not been revealed to me because I have wisdom more than anyone living. But for our sakes, who make known the interpretation to the king, that you may know the thoughts of your heart. So Daniel has done the seemingly impossible. He understands the dream. The king did not tell him what the dream was, but he understands. Now, from time to time, um, interesting. Uh, I've heard stories about where a, a wife or a girlfriend will have a dream that their fella cheated on them. All right, you know, that's a bad dream to have. And then, uh, then the guy has to, of course, apologize for what he did, for what the dream version of him did. You know what you did. I don't know. That was a dream. You know what you did. You know, it's a little difficult. Maybe uh, um, some of the looks I'm getting right now, I think I need to leave that topic alone. And I'm going to move back to the Word of God. So he very, he's very careful to clarify that this vision did not come from his own wisdom or his own power he, the God is the one who has revealed it. The dream and the interpretation comes from God. So, Daniel begins to describe the dream. He says, O king, in your dream, a giant statue suddenly appeared. And if you'll put that picture up there. This is an artist's interpretation. A giant statue suddenly appeared. It was so impressive. It was so huge. The head was made of gold. The chest and the arms were made of silver. The abdomen and the thighs were made of bronze or brass, and the legs were made of iron. The feet were made of a mixture of iron and clay. And then, as you were beholding this statue in your dream, a giant stone appeared, a stone that clearly was rough-hewn, was not shaped by human hands. And this stone smashed into the feet of the statue and obliterated them and continued to smash the rest of the statue until the iron, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all so destroyed that there were nothing but dust and then the wind blew the dust away. So there was no evidence that this statue ever existed. And then the stone grew into a huge mountain and it filled the whole earth. That is what you dreamed, O King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar hears this, and it's exactly what he dreamed. And he's amazed. None of the wise men of Babylon could explain it. Certainly none of the Babylonian gods ever revealed a dream. They only made up interpretations. Nebuchadnezzar probably knew little to nothing about the Jewish God, the, the true God, Jehovah God, before this. But by the end of his life, he's going to know a lot more about God. We'll see that in the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel wasn't finished, though. Next, he offered the interpretation. This is really interesting. If you're a note taker, this is a thing to take notes on, okay? He said, King Nebuchadnezzar, God has given you a vision of the future. He has revealed to you the great empires that are going to be on the earth. If you'll leave the, just the picture of the statue up for now, we'll just keep that up and let that hang out for a good while. And uh, God has given you a vision of the empires that shall come. You, O king, are a king over many kings. You rule a vast empire. You are this head of gold, or 
representing Babylon. Babylon is the head of gold on the statue. That's what is, that is what is uh, meant by the head of gold. It's you. However, the day is coming when another empire will take the place of Babylon. That is represented by the chest and arms of silver. This empire, as silver is less refined than gold, is lesser than gold, this empire that replaces you will be lesser, but it will overcome Babylon. And after that, another empire will arise that is represented by the belly and the thighs of bronze. bronze and, and though less noble than the first two, it will conquer even greater lands. Then finally, there will be a terrible kingdom of iron represented by the legs of iron. It will shatter all who oppose it and rule the world as you understand the world to be. Then the feet of the statue. Remember, there's two things the feet are made of, right? Iron and clay mixed. Iron and clay don't really stick together. It's partly strong and partly fragile. Daniel explains, at, at a t the time, the God of heaven shall set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. It will obliterate these feet of iron and clay and obliterate everything else. And it will surpass all the empires that have come before. And the kingdom of God will fill the whole earth. That's the meaning of the great stone that became a mountain and filled the whole earth. The great God of heaven has made these things known to you and they will surely come to pass now nebuchadnezzar hears this and he's floored literally he falls on his face on the ground before daniel he's floored this is the most powerful man on the planet the most powerful man who'd ever lived to this point as far as kings and rulers go and it seems like he's worshiping daniel at first daniel must have set him straight and said whoa, whoa you're worshiping the wrong guy you need to worship my boss the lord and uh, now we'll put the scripture up here, Daniel, starting at uh, verse 27, or 47 rather. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon also, Daniel petitioned the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. So Daniel's still a young man at this point, but he's been so faithful to the Lord. The Lord has blessed him, and he's a very high official in the government. He's almost like the prime minister, even though he's probably not yet 20. Well, what a story, right? I mean, I've had some weird dreams, but I've never had anything quite like that. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar was convinced that Daniel got it right. But could Nebuchadnezzar actually prove any of that? He didn't know what was going to happen after him. He knew the part about Babylon being the head of gold. He'd be like, okay, yeah, that sounds good to me, but he doesn't know the rest. Here we are two and a half millennia later, and we can verify whether Daniel was correct or not. Let me just tell you something about the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel makes such accurate prophecies this one is not not even close to the most precise and detailed of the prophecies of daniel we'll see a lot more as time goes by the the prophecies in daniel are so precise that the doubters said ah they must have made it up after it happened but the evidence points to a about a seventh century bc date of writing so the thing is, the God who already knows all of history doesn't have to make it up after it happens. He already knows. You know, he's writing the script. 
Let's talk about the empires in the prophecy. And what I want you to see is God is the one who ultimately allows empires to rise and to fall. Now, does that mean he likes everything that empire's doing? Probably not. He certainly didn't like everything Babylon was doing. Does it mean he approved of Babylon or these empires will follow? No. However, God had a bigger purpose than the moment for what he's doing. We're going to see that. The head of gold is Babylon. Babylon. The height of the Babylonian empire came under Nebuchadnezzar. As far as ancient cultures go, Babylon was pretty civilized. You've heard of the seven wonders of the ancient world? One of those was the Hanging Gardens of Babylon that Nebuchadnezzar had built for his wife because she was from the mountains and she lived in the plains. She wanted to see some something, so he had these hanging gardens made that kind of were in the shape of mountains. You know, if I, I'm from the mountains, if I moved to the flatlands, that'd be nice if somebody built me something artistic so I could enjoy the mountains. I appreciate that. So uh, um, they were, Babylon was great, but only a generation or two after Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon fell. And we're going to see that in the book of Daniel. We're going to see the story of how that happens. The handwriting on the wall, you've heard that. Well, the handwriting's on the wall. Well, that has to do with the fall of Babylon, and that comes right out of the book of Daniel. But during their day, Babylon ruled the world as they understood the world to be the quote-unquote civilized world from about 606 B.C. to about 536 B.C., so about 70 years. And you think, well, man, 70 years doesn't sound like a long time to be on top but if you do the math 70 years is about how long that the u.s has been considered a superpower so i mean that makes me stop and think okay wait a minute you know maybe this is a while maybe this is significant babylon was eventually overcome by an alliance of the medes and the persians you probably heard of the persians but you probably never heard of the medes medes and the persians this is represented by the chest and arms of silver how many arms? Two arms. And there's two partners in this empire, the Medes and the Persians. The Medes were the dominant power at first, but pretty quickly they were uh, superseded by the Persians. The Persian Empire grew very vast and powerful until it was crushed by a comparatively small army, tiny army, in 331 B.C. Now get this. What comes next after the head of gold and the arms and chest of silver... It's the, the belly and the thighs of brass. This represents the Greek Empire. Greece rose to power very, very quickly. Greece, under the leadership of its new young king, conquered so much. Alexander, you heard of Alexander? Not Alexander Hamilton. I know you watched that musical. But the uh, Alexander, they call him Alexander the Great. And if you measure his military success, yes, he was great. He took... Less than 40,000 soldiers, and he uh, defeated the Persian Empire. The Persian Empire was known to have armies that numbered over a million, humongous, vast. I don't know if it was like the, the weird version of the Persian army like you see in that one, what is that, one Ru Russell Crowe movie? I don't remember. No, it's not a Russell Crowe movie. The 300 movie, don't watch that movie. It's weird, man. That'll give you bad dreams. That's a weird movie. Anyway... Um, Gerard Butler, that's the guy's name. Yeah, I remember him because my wife thinks he's so handsome. Gosh, Gerard, it had to be him. It had to be him. 
It had to be him, yeah. So we're forgetting about Gerard. We're leaving Gerard behind, and we're going back to Alexander here. Alexander did amazing things. Within 12 years, he conquered pretty much everything there was to conquer at the time. He conquered right out to the edges of what was considered civilization at the time, and then he died, died at 33 years old, died suddenly. So Greece rose very quickly, got everything they got all the monopoly money and they sat on top for a long time greece was dominant from from that time about 331 bc to um about 60 years before jesus was born about 63 a.d or so then they were overcome by an even more powerful empire before i leave alexander the great let me mention this to you later in the the book of uh, daniel we're going to see some prophecies that have applied very specifically to alexander the great have very detailed prophecies and when alexander was conquering everything he came to jerusalem too and he would have destroyed jerusalem except the priests in the temple pulled out the book of daniel and showed him so hey um this talks about you conquering the world we're pretty sure this applies to you because you could kind of could you i mean okay you're the boss could you not kill us all and you know what alexander did not destroy jerusalem because of the prophecy that was shown in the book of daniel and he recognized it applied to him. They recognized it applied. So, so much for writing it after the fact. Jerusalem would have been destroyed. Anyway, after the Greek Empire, some of you history buffs can tell us what was the huge, major, powerful, nothing ever been like it before since empire that came after Greece? The Roman Empire. The Roman Empire is this the legs of iron. And Rome just crushed everybody that opposed them and put together this vast empire that stretched from like England to India and into North Africa and well into Europe and they owned everything and everybody for a while the the two legs the two legs of iron kind of suggest the the two divisions of the Roman empire the eastern and western empires Rome lasted in one form or another for 1500 years now the US is close to 250 years old. That's not too far off, I think. But the Roman Empire lasted, what's that like, four, six times longer? That's hard for us to wrap our minds around. The Roman Empire, the last remnants of the Roman Empire didn't fall until like 1436 BC when the, the Ottoman Turks took Constantinople. So there's a little bit of history nerdery for you, for a few of you who are into that like I am. It lasted for so long, and it didn't really get defeated by another empire that took its place. Rome just kind of fizzled out. Rome kind of fell apart. And you read the stories about the Goths sacking Rome. The Goths were like half-starved, and they would had nothing. And they just marched into Rome because Rome was mostly falling apart, and they just kind of, the Goths and the Vandals sacked Rome because Rome was in bad shape, y'all. It was not that hard, you know. It was like... Looting a place that had already been burned down is picking through the ashes. It wasn't much to it. So, in a sense, Rome never really was brought to an end. And the European powers that were came out of the breakup of Rome are still powers. And these European countries have colonized pretty much the rest of the planet. The United States was colonized by the European powers and most of the rest of the world, too. So, in a sense, Rome is kind of still around or the pieces of it are still around. The dream 
accurately predicted this succession of empires. Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Now this is a demonstration to us that the Bible is not like any other religious book. Other religious books don't make predictive prophecies, at least not with details, and they certainly don't show them to be fulfilled. Nothing else dares to make predictive prophecy that proves true. And later in the book of Daniel, we're going to see so much more detailed prophecy. And much more importantly, this is way more important because all the history stuff is fascinating and some of you watch the History Channel and all that. You know, it's cool. But much more importantly for us, God had a purpose for these empires. Okay, if you're note takers, take these notes. What was the first empire, the head made of gold? Babylon. What was the purpose for which God raised up Babylon? What did Babylon do? Babylon took the Jews out of the promised land, took them to Babylon. Do you know what happened while they were at Babylon? They finally got serious about God. Haven't you noticed that when life is good, it's a little easy to let your spiritual walk slip a little bit, and then things get really bad, and you remember, hold up, I need God really bad. So while these Jewish people were in captivity in Babylon, they finally got serious about their faith. They finally let go of all their idols, and they started making copies of the Scriptures, and and they started building synagogues. Synagogues really didn't exist until this time. It was during the Babylonian captivity when, when synagogues became a thing. So the Jewish people were finally ready for the Messiah. Um, what was next? After Babylon, what was the second empire of silver? The Persians, the Medes and the Persians. Well, what did the Persians do that was a part of God's plan? They came in and they were the ones who allowed the Jews to go back. Cyrus the Great, another the Great, gave the decree that allowed the Jews to go back to the Promised Land. Not only that, the Persian government funded the rebuilding of the temple and protected the Jewish people while they rebuilt Jerusalem and the temple. So they've gone, been taken out of the promised land by Babylon. They've been purified and ready for the Messiah. They've been brought back to the promised land and they're able to rebuild the temple. And these people are getting ready for the Messiah to come. All right, after Babylon and Persia, what was the next empire on the list? Greece. Alexander the Great conquered everything there was to conquer at the time. And he spread the Greek language around. Before this time, if you were to travel, you needed to know the languages of all these little scattered people groups everywhere. But for the first time in human history, there was a language that was spoken at least a little bit everywhere. It was the trade language. If you wanted to do business, if you wanted to travel, you had to speak some Greek. Kind of like English is today. Most people around the world, or a lot of people around the world, can speak at least a little bit of English. Even in countries that might surprise you, they can speak enough English to sell you something, guarantee you that much. They can speak enough English to get your money anyway. So Greek became the language of trade and commerce and travel all over the ancient world. So finally, for the first time in human history, there is a language that is widely understood by lots of different people. Now, some of y'all Bible scholars impress me and tell me what language was the New Testament originally written in? Greek. You mean God might have allowed somebody like Alexander the Great who was not remotely moral, let me promise you that. There wasn't nothing moral or decent about that fella. He was great in that he conquered, but he wasn't great he wasn't a great person. God might have allowed Alexander the Great to conquer, to 
so he would have a language to write the New Testament in that people could understand. All right, we've gotten this far. God, remember, God's the one who raises up empires and brings them down for his purposes. He doesn't, he doesn't always tell us why, but he has a reason. So we have Babylon, we have Persia, we have Greece, and what's that next empire, the Iron Empire? Rome. Were the Romans really the good guys? Not so much. But let me tell you what they were really good at. They were really good at kicking butt. The Romans must have had sore feet because they kicked butt all over the place, okay? They conquered everything there was to conquer, even more than these previous empires. Guess what else the Romans did? They built roads. There are still some roads that the Romans built that exist today. I know that, you know, God bless VDOT. My dad worked for VDOT for a long time, but... There's a lot of potholes here, and you go in some other places a lot worse than here. And, uh, but the Romans built roads that still are around 2,000 years later. They built roads, they built trade routes, and because Rome conquered everything and squashed any uprising, there really wasn't any war going on between small groups. So for the first time in human history, there was a road you could travel on. Good roads, you could go anywhere, and it was safe to travel because the Romans were the biggest kids on the playground and enforced the peace. The Pax Romana, the Roman peace. It wasn't really peace, but nobody could put up a fight because Rome was so powerful. So the first time in history, people can travel all over the place safely. Just in time for the gospel to arrive and for missionaries to travel all over the world. Guys like Apostle Paul could not have done the traveling that he did if he had been born a century or two earlier, if Christ had come a century or two earlier, because God raised up this succession of empires to purify Babylon, purified God's people. Persia brought them back and reestablished the temple. The Greeks gave them a language that they could write the New Testament in so it could be distributed. And the Romans gave them roads and trade routes and safety so the gospel could be carried all over the world now ain't god good you didn't get that in your history books you heard about babylon you heard about persia you heard about greece you heard about rome but they didn't tell you why do you think that these empires just rose because they happened to be really super good at doing war no god had a purpose and his plan his big overarching plan for this series of empires was to bring the good news of the message of Jesus to people like you and people like me. Now that is pretty amazing. The rise and fall of empires. God did not approve of most of what they did, and yet he used it anyway. Just like us, a lot of the dumb things that we do and the bad things we do, God uses it anyway, blesses us anyway, brings good out of it anyway. God raised up these empires not because they were better or deserving, more deserving than anyone else. It was so the good news could come down through the ages. That is awesome. All back there in the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar didn't know anything about that. He just knew, man, did I have, ever, ever have a weird dream? But God was telling you and I something. And somebody's going to say, well, what, what, wait, wait, what about the rest of the prophecy, preacher? You didn't talk about the weird feet, the feet with the iron and the clay mixed. What about that? Remember how I said the Roman Empire wasn't really replaced by another empire. It just sort of kind of fizzled out, kind of fell apart. Well, when you compare later prophecies in the book of Daniel with prophecies in the book of Revelation, what you find out 
is that during the end times, during the tribulation period, the Roman Empire kind of comes back in the form of the Antichrist's empire. There's a, a revival, a ten-part revival of the Roman Empire. And uh, more details on that later on, so you need to hold on for that. And during what happens at the end of the tribulation period, Jesus comes back. Remember the great smashing stone that destroys the statue? Jesus is going to be that great stone that destroys the kingdom of the Antichrist and obliterates the empires that came before. And it's, his kingdom is going to fill the whole earth. And to that I say, come on, Lord Jesus. We're ready. We're ready for your kingdom to come. So what does all this mean for us? What's the takeaways here on this very uh, historical message out of Daniel 2? Well, one of them we can see is that the Bible makes predictive prophecy. Other holy books don't do that. We might assume that they do, but they do not. Other holy books do not make predictive prophecy. And when they do, it's very vague and you can't really prove that it happened. But we have this succession of four empires here. We have that and it gets a lot better as we go deeper in the book of Daniel. Something very important for us to see right now in the times in which we live is that God allows nations and rulers to rise and fall for his purposes. I don't care what stripe you are of, of in your politics. I don't care what little letter would be beside your name if you got elected to office. I think everybody is frustrated with a lot of what goes on in our country and our world right now. That uh, whatever your thoughts or beliefs are on politics, you've had plenty to be frustrated with over the last few years or few decades. And we might wonder, why would God allow somebody like this to come to power? And you can fill in the this with whatever politicians you don't like. I got my list, you got yours. You could say, well, why would God allow this country to raise up when they're obviously so bad or so evil? Well, here's what I can see in the book of Daniel. God has purposes that he doesn't always have to explain to us. But we can trust him. We can trust him. And perhaps the biggest takeaway of this whole story, this crazy dream and interpretation, is that the grand story of human history has been put in place to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to people all across the world. God made that possible. This wasn't an accident. God knows what he's doing. If you ever feel frustrated as to why God allows some nations or rulers to prosper, you just know in the back of your head, God's got a plan, even if he doesn't explain it to us. Now, should we be praying if something's out of hand? Absolutely, we should be praying for our nation and our leaders and the nation and leaders of, uh, you know, in other countries. Absolutely. I have to wonder, you know, I think God has blessed America. I think it's fair to say historically God has blessed America, but... Uh, despite all our issues. Why? Maybe because there's been religious freedom in America. And America still sends more missionaries than anybody. But a lot of that seems to be changing. America is not so friendly to the gospel as it once was. And I got to wonder if it continues to go like it is, if God will allow some other nation to rise up and, and to be... Uh, you know, to be great, you know, if America does not turn to God, I would say turn back to God, but there's, that's a complicated question. There was a time it seems like God was much more respected, but we just need to turn to God. Whether it's back or just turn, let's turn. We need to trust in God. 
And as for you and for me, this dream of King Nebuchadnezzar, you have a place in that. Because the message of Jesus came down through the ages to you. And without this that God has done, the succession of empires, maybe that doesn't happen. God raised up these empires for his time and for his purposes, and the greatest purpose of it all was to get the story of Jesus out to you and to me and to everybody else. That's pretty amazing. God is so good. I just I want to take to the Lord in prayer right now. Heavenly Father, we are amazed. We feel like Nebuchadnezzar. It's mind-blowing, Lord, what you have done just to get the good news to us, how you raised up empire after empire, empires that were not necessarily good or moral, and yet they worked into your purposes so the people of God would be ready for the Messiah, so there would be a language to write the New Testament in, and there would be a way to carry the, the words of Jesus all over the world, and we give you the glory. God, please help us to have trust in times like we're living through now where it seems like there's so much evil in the world where so many evil people come to power or evil nations come to power and it's hard for us to understand god so hard please give us trust that you have your purposes for that and maybe part of the purpose is to drive us to our knees to pray to cry out to you and that we do now lord god almighty I pray that you will give us faith to endure and we look forward to the day when the kingdom of God fills the whole earth and we get to be a part of that that new empire that you're going to build that's going to take care that's going to take the place of everything else. We give you the glory Lord and ask that we would be your messengers to take the good news of Jesus to our friends and family and neighbors and coworkers and classmates in Jesus name. Amen. Well that was interesting, wasn't it? There's a lot of crazy stuff in the book of Daniel. You probably didn't get the big weird statue in the Bible story version of Daniel, right? You got the lion's den. You might have got the fiery furnace, but you didn't get the the empire of dreams chapter. So Lord willing, next week we're going to go into chapter 3. I encourage you to read ahead. It's all interesting stuff. Go ahead and read ahead in the book of Daniel. God bless you guys, and uh, you are dismissed. We'll see you.